Hey, good evening, Family Church, Gospel, Bridge Marie, and everybody else who may be watching tonight. Just want to uh, take this moment to welcome you. Thank you for watching tonight. Uh, don't forget to put something perhaps in the chat as the, as the message goes. Say hello to a few people uh, that may be online with you watching tonight as well. Uh, just a couple of things to share before we get into tonight's words so that you're ready um, and, and a few people may be joining us as we start. But next Sunday night, now that we are dropped down into tier four, uh, we will start doing FC Local live in person um, at the Empower Centre in Bridgemary. There's going to be uh, uh, an email that goes out to everybody so that you are able to pre-register. Uh, we will have to, we're, we're going to do half an hour of praise and worship in the building. Uh, praise and worship teams are uh, building their teams again. And uh, we're going to do half an hour of worship at the Empower Centre, 7.30 through to 8 o'clock. And then we're going to do what we're doing here. We're going to be preaching live to the congregation that are with us, but also on, um, on, on video on YouTube as well. I am so looking forward to doing a Sunday Night Local next Sunday and we're starting a new theme of thought in the evenings as well and I'm really excited about what we're going to be sharing next week as well. So please watch out for the email, get registered, come along next Sunday night, you will have to wear a mask, we will have to social distance, we will have to do the government guidelines, that goes without saying. The reason I'm excited is we're gathering together as a corporate body of Christ and we are going to praise, we're going to worship and we're going to get the word in our hearts. So come join us, sign up and let's have an incredible next Sunday night live down at Bridgemary and it's just going to be so much fun. So looking forward to that. Tonight um, we're on our last one of the series about building the house. I don't know if you've enjoyed it. I certainly have. I've loved preaching. One of my favorite subjects is about building the house of God, making the house of God what Jesus intended it to be and doing my part, whether as the pastor or what I've been doing for many years before I ever became the pastor, being a part of a local body, doing what I can do, giving of my heart, giving of my time, giving of my finance and giving of the gifts and talents that God's placed in my life. And I just, it's the most enjoyable part of, of this life is building the house of God and being a part of the church. So tonight we're going to conclude our series of thoughts on building the house. Now, I love with the fact that we've been using the book of Nehemiah and the journey of Nehemiah's life to, to compare some of the truths of what Nehemiah went through in building the house of God and what we go through in building the house of God. And if you look back in the book of Nehemiah, um, it talks about this moment, the city walls have just been completed, the gates are being hung, the, the, the work has been completed, and it's just such a powerful moment. So if, you, if you've got your Bible, feel free to turn in the Bible to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6, and we're going to read from 15 and 16. And it says this, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elu, in 52 days. Incredible. Absolutely amazing. Just took 52 days to do this incredible work. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it. 
And all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was done by our God. It wasn't, they didn't, they didn't take the glory themselves. They didn't, they didn't look at their ability and what they had done and the part of the wall that they had accomplished. No, the enemies around them were incredibly disheartened. Do you know what? When the church shines like we should, the enemies of the church, those that are so anti-church life, they will become so disheartened because they see that it wasn't they themselves that accomplished this, but they perceive that it was the work done by our God. Don't you just love that? I just love that passage because the church we want to build is a church with the fingerprint of God. It's that church that he ordained. It's building according to the blueprint. Oh, have we got it right all the time? No, we don't. We don't pretend that we've got it right all the time. We don't pretend that we've got answers to, to every question that's thrown us. We haven't got the answer to everything. But what what we're trying to do with our hand on our heart is to build the house of God in our generation as he would want it according to his word. You know, you fast forward to the church of today and and we 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 want this to be the masterpiece of God. Like David said when he said the church that or, or the temple that is to be built for the Lord the temple that is to be built for our God has got to be mighty and splendorous and powerful. It's got to be known throughout the whole region and throughout the world. That was David's heart for the household of God. And I guess that's got to be our heart. It's got to be our desire that the, the house, the church, the place of where God dwells amongst his people has got to be a beautiful, powerful, energetic life-changing place for people to come it is the master plan of god in this crazy messed up mixed up messed up world the church is the answer the bible reveals this when jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail that statement that Jesus made some 2,000 years ago, it's a, it's, a, it's a bold statement. But it's one where he said, I am going to be involved as the master builder. I will build. I am the chief cornerstone. I love the fact that he uses us as the stones in which he builds. Each of our life as, a, as built upon another generation and upon another generation. This is our time, church. We can make a difference in our generation as we allow ourselves to be used as part of the building of the church in our generation. You may think, oh, my stone doesn't matter. My, uh, my life doesn't really matter. It doesn't have much impact. I'd tell you what, if we all decided to throw our stone away and say, hey, God doesn't really want to use me. Where would the house of God be? Your life is needed. 
Your gift, your talent is needed. Your place in the body of Christ is needed. We need you. you. No matter how insignificant you may feel, you are a vital part of the body, of the building of the house of God, of the body of Christ. I love the fact that the Bible says you know, that I may not be an arm or an eye. You may think yourself as a lowly part, a, a non-essential part, an appendix you can live without. But let me tell you tonight, you are not just an individual part that the, that the church can do without. You are needed. You are vital. And we want you to be part of the journey moving forward. Jesus wants us as the church to be everything he proposed and purposed for us in the original blueprint of the church and I love just going to give Pastor Andy's book um, a, a quick plug here uh, God's blueprint for his church it's a brilliant book talking about the church and and the building of God's church in the 21st century it's time for the 21st century church to return to a first century vision. If you've never read the book, Pastor Andy's book, I encourage you to go away, purchase it and read it because it really talks about what we've been looking at over the last few weeks and moving forward of where we're going. But I want to take a hold of the fundamental truths written in God's word in the scripture that clearly identifies what the church should look like and feel like and sound like, whether it was in the first century or the 21st century, whether we're in Jerusalem or whether we're in, in, in Jordan, whether we're, whether we're in gospel or whether we're in waterside. This is the church that Jesus said he would build. And in Acts chapter 2, in verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word, the word that Peter was preaching about Jesus, uh, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued. They, they as in the apostles and the disciples, those that walked with Jesus. But I believe it's also these 3,000 new souls that are just connected to God. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. I just love this. You know, this, this is how church, this is how Jesus said, I will build my church. And on the day of Pentecost and the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then they went out and preached the gospel and many people came to know the truth. And then they said they step, continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine, in fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. That's what church is. <clears throat> I'm getting so excited. I've heard people say, oh, what are we going to do when we come back to doing church? What, what, how is it going to feel? Is it going to be different? Oh, let me give you a clue what it's going to look like when we come back to doing church. It's going to be, we're going to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the word of God. We're going to continue in fellowship, being close to one another, walking with a close sense of fellowship with one another. We're going to come together and we're going to be breaking bread and having prayer times together. I don't want to mess 
with what Jesus said the church should feel like, what it should look like, what it should what it should be tangibly, we should be living by. These are the things that the church for 2,000 years has been established on. We can mess with our personal preferences. We can mess with what we, we think we should be doing with church and our, our, our own personal styles. We can add something to the mix called our modern take or modern way of thinking. But we're not going to build any better than what Jesus said he would do with prayer, with doctrine, with fellowship and with the breaking of bread. That is what the church of Jesus Christ in the 21st century has got to be built upon. It's God's original plan. It's God's steadfast plan. And it's in his enduring plan. This is what church is going to look like. It's what it's going to feel like when we get back to meeting together in person. Oh, I believe there should be a deeper passion for being in closer fellowship. Oh, I believe that there should be more desire to be in a prayer meeting where we cry out to God for a lost and dying generation. Oh, I believe there should be a hunger for the word like perhaps we've never had before as it's preached. I don't know how many people are listening to me preach tonight but is that an indication of of the hunger in the heart of man men and women who are meant to be in church who are meant to be hearing the word of god is, is it an indication of where we've dropped away from Oh, I believe that the original blueprint plan of the church will be revived once again as we come back together do you know what we need to align ourselves to God's original plan. Not our preference, not our personal persuasion, but what Jesus said he would do. We need to be walking in alignment to the word and in step with the Holy Spirit. We, we, we don't just all become word people. We don't all become spirit people. It's the word of God and the spirit working together, hand in hand, working together to make the church everything that he's called us to be. The truth is we should expect nothing less than what they saw in the early the early beginnings of the Acts 2 church. What did they see? What did they experience? The church in the New Testament that was birthed in power. They were it was a powerful move of the Spirit of God. Jesus over and over again, especially in the book of John, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, he said, I've got to leave. I've got to go back to my father. I've got to complete the work for which I was sent. He knew that he was having to go to the cross. He knew then that he was going to impart spiritual truths to, to men and women who were following him. Then he had to ascend on high. And then once he'd got back to heaven and sprinkled the blood on the, on the doorpost, he went through and he said, now I can send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit won't just rest upon me like he did when I walked the earth, but he will rest upon every man, woman and child who puts their trust in me and the spirit of the living God will infill you, will dwell among you, will dwell in you and the power of the spirit will flow from our lives and touch the world around us. That is the plan of God for his church in the 21st century. 
the first century church, they saw souls being added to their number daily. Not, 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 not now and again, not once in a while, but they saw the work, the handiwork of God saving souls daily. Why? Because they were out there feeding the fish, preparing the fish, getting ready to catch the fish, and then Jesus added to the church. They were soul winners. Oh, I could go and get another book from Pastor Andy, couldn't I? They were soul winners. They were reaching their world. They saw, they were a church that saw the power of God at work with signs and wonders and miracles. I believe that we are a church that walk in the things of the Spirit. But I believe that there is a move of the Spirit of God in these last days that supersedes anything that any of us have seen before. Why? Because I believe it's not only the former, but also the latter reign. That the Spirit of God before the end of the age, the Spirit of God will fall upon all flesh. And our old men will dream dreams and our young men will see visions. And we will, we will just encounter the things of the Spirit in a greater degree. Oh, that the latter rain and the former rain come together. I don't want new wine put into this old wineskin. Lord, I pray, keep me being fresh. Keep me being alive to you so that you can pour new wine into my heart so that I can connect with what you're doing here and now. I don't want to look back to the old Pentecostal days and say, do you remember the day? Do you remember those moments? Do you remember the past things? I want to be looking into my tomorrow saying I can't wait for what God has for me next the church saw the power of God the church they lived a consecrated life what do I mean by that they lived different they sounded different they behaved different from the rest of the world that was around them they were different why because the power of God had come upon them all oh, the old life had passed away behold all things have become new they were now living a God-filled life the church today needs to be nothing less than what it was when it first started we need to be alive to God and dead to self I guess my question tonight is this, what do we need to do to see, sorry, what would we need to do to help us make, to help us be what the church should be, not based on a first century church, because we don't live back then, but based upon the word that he would want us to be in the 21st century. I want to see if I can answer that question tonight but I guess it starts in this familiar passage which we've already read I'm going to read it from a different translation because these are the core values of the Christian faith wherever you go in the world these are the same spiritual truths that church has been built on and is still being built on all over the world Acts 2 verse 42 and 46 it says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching if we want a first century experience in our 
21st century world than we've got to build in the way in which they built. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. You know, I, I want to see a deeper sense of fellowship within our church, that close-knit community. I love the fact that on Zoom every week, we're having 60-odd people gathering together on Zoom. I thank every one of you that are making that commitment to stay connected and fellowship and for the extras that are joining us week after week. And they were sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and gave themselves to prayer. And a deep sense of awe. I think that is so, so key to our walk with God right now. That a deep sense of awe came upon them all. Do we have that deep sense of awe? That deep sense that God is close, he's near, he's in us. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, listen to this, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Oh, let us come together. Family Church, Gospel, Bridgebury, next Sunday night, FC, local, live, in person. Let's come together in one place. Let's do what the word of God is sharing and, and encouraging us to do. And then it says, and they sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshipped together at the temple each day. Oh, if only we could do church every day down at the, at, at the Empower Centre in Bridgebury uh, in Gospel right now. If we could do that every day. They worshipped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. People in general liked what they saw and every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. I just, I love these passages. I love what it's teaching here. Why? Because it portrays the beauty, the beautiful picture of a healthy, vibrant, growing, strengthening, empowering church that were devoted to one another, fellowship with one another, that discipled one another. A church that strengthens and empowers and enriches the lives of all who call upon the name of the Lord. No wonder Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not, pre will not prevail. If we are building the church in the way he wants us to build the church, then the gates of hell will not prevail. You know, when Jesus spoke, we know that he spoke in, in picture form and, and, and in parables. And in the book of Ephesians, by the Spirit of God, Paul wrote that, that we are the bride of Christ, the church. You know, in, in other places, um, Paul describes the church as being the body of Christ. Here in Ephesians, we're taught, he spoke about us being the bride of Christ. I don't know about you, but it's got to be one of the most exciting things that you and I can be involved in as we build the church in the 21st century. Maybe the church 
that will usher in the soon coming return of Jesus Christ. You know, the early church were known for their for their faith and their love. You know, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. How? Because of your love one for another. They had an incredible faith. They had an incredible love. They were known for their zeal and their passion. They were known for their, their worship and their praise. They were known as a people of prayer. What are you known by? And what am I known by? If they were marked, if they were set apart because of those things, what separates my life and yours in the world in which we live right now? The first century church were united in spirit, and yet they were plagued with, with uh, persecution and martyrdom, and yet there was this incredible oneness they came together with one accord on the day of Pentecost. They came together with a united heart. They came together with one desire, one passion, one hope, one dream that they would be building the house of God. What they dreamt in the first century and what is outworking in the 21st century is a part of what they began. Churches began to open all over the Middle East, all over um, Asia and, and into Europe. Churches were being opened everywhere. Why? Because they were transforming cultures. They were changing the known world. They were transforming the, the, the lives and the, and, the, and the areas in which they turned in. I, I love the, the fact that, that Jason and others, they turned up in a particular place and, and it was said that these Christians who have come here are turning the world upside down. Let me say it another way. I believe we're turning the world the right way up. This world is messed up. It's upside down. What's good is bad. What bad is good. What's wicked is good. What, what's good is wicked. It's just mad. We live in a crazy world. But the church of the first century was a church that was was a church full of power and influence they were a church of impact they impacted communities they impacted individual lives they were a church that couldn't be ignored they were a church that had a voice they were a church of influence wherever they were yet the 21st century church has compromised its stand and called it acceptance of others. The 21st century church has lost its impact and called it difficult days. The 21st century church has lost its voice and said it's persecution. The 21st century church has lost, uh, has a form of godliness, but has denied the power thereof. We are in this generation church. We cannot be complacent. We cannot look at our generation of thousands and millions of people going to a lost eternity day after day, month after month. We cannot sit back and be silent. 
The church of the 21st century has got to be a church of influence, just like Nehemiah was in the city walls of Jerusalem, where those that were enemies turned around and said, this must have been God. I want a church and I want us to be a church, the body of believers, where anyone who walks into the, the, the midst of us has to turn around and say, I know God was in that place. The first century church counted the cost of what it would cost them. This is what Jesus said the last day church will look like and the last days in which the earth will be. In Matthew 24, it says later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us. When will all these things happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name. Claiming that I am the Messiah, they will deceive many. You will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end will not, will not, won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation. Kingdom will go against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first birth, birth pangs with more to come. Then you will be arrested and persecuted and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Here we see Jesus not only describing what the end times will look like, but what the church in the last days will look like. If you look in the book of Timothy, you'll see an echo of what Jesus is teaching here and, 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 and what the, the last day church will look like. Think with me for a moment. Does this describe the church and the environment in which we are living right now? The love of many will grow cold. It saddens me. It absolutely saddens me when I hear of a believer who once was walking with God, who then turns his back on God and the church and walks away. That saddens my heart. I'm praying that the prodigals, those that once walked with God, once knew his love for them, that they would return in mass number. Many in the church will be lovers of self rather than lovers of God. Many in the faith will be offended. The church would have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. The last day Christians will have itching ears and will not endure sound doctrine and they will have many teachers. I'll tell you what you got to do is flip on a podcast and you can have every kind of teaching from all over the world at your fingertips. We've never lived in a generation where there are many people who will itch your ears with the teaching that you want to hear. This description by Jesus regarding the church 
represents churches from the south to the north of England to the top of Scotland and all over the world and many Christians are sat in these churches and have those real same feelings in their heart. The first century church counted the cost. They said in their heart, forsaking all, I will follow him. When Jesus made the call, come follow me, they let their businesses go. They stopped uh, hanging around with certain individuals. Matthew no longer was a tax collector. What happened? There was transformation. There's got to be, when you accepted Jesus Christ, you were transformed from darkness to light. Something changed on the inside, but it wasn't. It shouldn't just be on the inside. It should be outworked on the outside. Your life should be transformed. You should be on fire. You should be passionate. You should be longing to see the glory of God extended in the church on fire in your heart. Why? Because he has transformed you. He has saved you. He's taken you from darkness. Oh, if only we knew what being taken from darkness and into the light really meant. But they counted the cost. They knew that it was a lifestyle change. It wasn't just two hours on a Sunday. Oh, don't we just look forward to having two hours on a Sunday once again. But it wasn't just two hours on a Sunday and maybe a, a, a two, 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 week, two week evenings and then everyone says, oh, I'm just too busy. I, I, I need to spend more time doing this or I've got other projects to do. No, it, it was their life. They gave themselves over to the things of God. When they got saved, their lives were completely sold out. Listen to this. The life, life for the early church was 24-7. They lived and breathed Jesus. They lived and breathed Jesus. They lived and breathed the church. They lived and breathed fellowship. They lived and breathed to see others saved and enter the kingdom of God. They made statements like this. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. They gave themselves to the Lord and then to us, the church. The believers of the, 20, of the first century didn't need an excuse to go to church. They were the church 24 hours of the day, wherever they were. They were living and breathing the Christian life and the church in whom they were. They didn't need to be asked to serve. It was their privilege. It was their honour to serve in the house of God. They didn't have to beg and scrape and plead. If there was a need, they stood up and said, count me in. I want to build the church. I, I guess if we want to see first century church operating in a 21st century generation, then we need to build with the same material in which they built the first century church.
they built with a godliness and with a consecrated life that it was no longer they who lived, but it was now Christ who lived in them. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be preaching and sharing and releasing the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. I'm so looking forward to next week as we begin preaching on a new subject called the power of the Holy Spirit, the power tools of God, the toolbox of God. I'm so looking forward to that time. But let's not wait another week where we wait for the things of the Spirit. Let's press in, even tonight, even now. Let's do away with our excuses. You may be watching tonight and you may be thinking, I've, I haven't lived with a total commitment. I haven't lived my life fully consecrated. I've not given up my life to live for him and for his church. I've played around a bit. I've, I've made excuses. Maybe tonight. This is the moment where you lay your life down so that he can begin to live through you in a greater degree. We're going to pray together right now as we close. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to touch your life and to touch my life. He said, when, when I baptize, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I believe there may be many that have been filled with the Holy Spirit or received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in their life, but they've never asked for the fire of God to burn in their bones, to burn the dross, the rubbish, the junk away from their life so that they're consumed with an all-consuming fire. Tonight, let me pray for you. Father, we just stand before you in your holy presence. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move upon every heart and every life. In the name of Jesus, I pray for a release of your spirit upon the flesh of mankind. Lord, I pray, burn up the dross in our life. Burn up the junk in our life. Lord, you are an all-consuming fire. And I pray, Father, that you would bring forth the pure gold of our life. Lord, that we would be consecrated that we would be that we would bow our knee before you and father we would live for you and for you alone forsaking all we put our trust in you lord god all to jesus i surrender i surrender all i pray father for every man woman and child lord that may be hearing this tonight i pray father that you would seal upon their heart the word of God tonight in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. God bless you. Remember, don't forget, sign up. Get registered for next Sunday night. FC local, in person, live at the Empower Centre in Gosport. And we will also be on YouTube preaching to you in your homes. Let's join together. Let's spend a better time in worship and surrender. God bless you. Have a God-blessed, God-empowered.